Summit family, beloved, how are you? Happy Mother's Day to you. My name is Brian, one of the pastors at the Summit. And I know this is a very non-traditional Mother's Day, but uh, we pray for you moms. You are feeling celebrated and seen and loved. And I'm really excited to talk to you about what Jesus has to say uh, on this particular Mother's Day before uh, the craziness of coronavirus changed everything and shut the world down and changed schedules. Um, I felt particularly called to have this passage we just read be uh, what Jesus speaks into our lives on this Mother's Day. Really, the heart, I think, of what it is we're going to see is that Jesus is going to show us how the work of mothering uniquely reflects the heart of God, and it is uniquely great within the kingdom of God. And so my goal for today is for you moms that you feel celebrated, encouraged, seen, and loved. If you're not a mom, we love you as well, but we pray that even this time you're thinking about who's a mom in my life, uh, maybe my own mother or just somebody I see in the life of our church, that even right now I can text and uh, encourage and celebrate. A big reason for this burden is I think the work of parenting is usually fundamentally one of uh, a guilt-inducing enterprise. Uh, There's really, as it pertains to parenting, there's nothing that we want to do as well that we care so much about. There's nothing we're so aware of our shortcomings. There's no area where a lot of times we feel like we are such a failure. Parenting all times is hazardous for our health as a consequence. I was thinking about this last Saturday. Last Saturday, I felt like, objectively, was one of our best parenting days. Our kids woke us up. Uh, insanely uh, early, which is just fundamentally wrong on a Saturday, but we were pleasant about it. We got up, we provided for them three meals as well as snacks in between those meals, and we met specific requests. Um, Not only did we provide those meals financially for them, but we provided those meals for them with our own hands. We carefully crafted them uh, for each of our kids' unique preferences. We scheduled crafts, activities, indoor uh, time, outdoor time, baths because of outdoor time. And finally, we came to the end of that Saturday and got our kids in bed and finally came down uh, stairs for some quiet and alone time. And you know what I felt? I felt absolutely guilty. That's all I could think about. All I could think about was that time that I got impatient with my kids not being great at sharing that day, wondering was I fully present, did I fully enjoy this, was on my phone too much, why do I even want alone time? My kids are little and this little time is fleeting, it's gonna happen so quickly and before I know it I'll be alone all the time, so why am I rushing to have any sort of alone time? Why did I rush bedtime? Why didn't I enjoy every single moment with them? Oh my goodness, parenting is this, is this really strange endeavor that there's nothing you really care so much about doing well, and there's nothing you're so aware of your specific shortcomings. And I know for many of you moms, you feel that. And I think that's uniquely amplified given the current cultural challenges. And um, I really hope that in the same way, this is what I'm just asking God to do on the front end, in the same way that Jesus spoke and by the power of Jesus' words, he would calm a storm. So you would hear Jesus speak into the work that you're giving your life to, and he would calm any expression of shame or guilt or comparison or falling short, um, and instead to see that what you do as a mom, the work of mothering, is uniquely aligned with the heart of God. 
and is uniquely reflective of greatness in the kingdom according to Jesus. So I can't wait to show you where this comes from. Let's go ahead and dive into what we just read in uh, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 1. We're going to see first Jesus just give a definition of what true generosity is, what a life of true generosity is. He says this in verse 1, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, if you remember last week, what we talked about was how Jesus, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, is performing cultural surgery. He's, in a very precise and nuanced way, revealing to us the heart of God reflected in the law of God, and he is cutting away any unhealthy expressions, manipulations, interpretations of God's law. And we said last week that he's particularly doing this as it pertains to the religious leaders of the day who are hurting the people underneath their care and confusing people as to who God truly is. And here is Jesus offering a declaration of the true definition of generosity that living a life of generosity is aligned with the heart of God, that when you really grasp the magnitude of the goodness of life underneath the reign and rule of King Jesus, an overflow of grasping that reality will be a life of generosity that Jesus made us, that he uh, provides for us, that he shepherds us, that he has been generous to us, not in just giving us everything that we have, but most explicitly in laying down his life for the sake of providing our salvation. And when we grasp that, the gospel-changed heart overflows into a life of generosity. But what Jesus is after is not just certain behaviors, not just being generous, but a rightly transformed heart that is fueling this lifestyle of generosity. He's not just after us being generous, but having the right motives behind our generosity. So what Jesus is doing in this is he begins with, in this portion with what we just read, of saying what isn't true generosity, and then next we'll see what is true generosity. Let's first talk about what is not true generosity as he's defining in verses 1 through 2. Now, what we think historically Jesus is specifically calling out in the religious leaders of the day, it's something that today we would call virtue signaling, virtue signaling, virtue signaling. Um, It's basically when we say or do something that's an overly showy declaration of, look at what a good person I am. That on the surface, it seems like a generous saying or act, but really it's an act of selfishness that's projecting the people around us, look at me, look at me, look at me. And so it's interesting, actually, I thought this was very fascinating. Um, Historically, what we think the religious leaders of the day would do is do this as they would demonstrate their generosity. So in the first century, if you were poor, Um, you did not have any sort of support structure or system in order to survive. And so a lot of times what would happen is you would have to resort to begging. And uh, what we know actually from archaeology is that uh, the the, the receptacle that somebody who was begging would use a lot of times would be metal. So I'm going to demonstrate this uh, for you. Um, I... You know, you can't only go to so many places right now when you're in quarantine. So this is the only metal cup I could find, uh, an empty cup of Cafe Bustelo, best coffee in the world. If you know, you know. And it would be metal, something like this. Um, and what would happen is people would throw in their metal coins. Shout out to my, uh, my daughter, Hannah, for giving me her coins because I didn't have any. And it would make this loud 
banging sound, and it would fill up, and it would, it would sound like a bell that would ring to people around them. Look at how charitable this person is. And so what we believe would happen is the religious leaders of the day would demonstrate generosity. They would throw in their money, and this, as they would do it very dramatically, would draw attention to themselves so that they could project to people around me, look at me, look at me, look at me, what a thoughtful, generous person I am. And what Jesus is saying in this moment is that's not real generosity. Jesus is saying, I'm not just about the outward behavior. I see what's in your heart that is fueling that generosity. Jesus is, again, performing cultural surgery. And what he's doing is giving this nuance to say what true kingdom generosity is, is giving to glorify God and love people. When we're really generous, we're giving to glorify God and love people. False generosity is giving to glorify ourselves and use people. True generosity is giving to glorify God and love people. False generosity is giving to glorify ourselves and use people. And the case study that Jesus is presenting here of somebody helping the poor in this very showy, uh, trumpet-sounding, bell-ringing fashion, it were, religious leader you, who is so dramatically throwing your coins into a jar and making it as dramatic as possible to get as much attention around yourself, what Jesus is saying to him is that you are not actually blessing and loving that poor person, you are using that poor person. They are just a prop to project to people around you that you are good and to bring attention to glorify yourself. He actually uses a very interesting term, Jesus does, where he says in verse 2, is I see your hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, a hypocrite, actually was a, uh, a Greek theatrical term. It was somebody who wore a mask, it was somebody who played a role uh, uh, publicly other than who they actually were in reality. So Jesus is saying, I don't want you just to play the role of generosity. I want a genuine gospel change, internal, generous heart to fuel this behavior. Now, secondly, <clears throat> let's look at how Jesus then shows us that mothering is true kingdom greatness. Mothering is an expression of true kingdom greatness. So how in the world does any of this apply to Mother's Day? Because what Jesus says next, and as we said at the beginning, declares not just what true kingdom generosity is, but I think how uh, the work of mothering is fundamentally a work of genuine, true kingdom generosity. That as we said at the very beginning, that the work of mothering is uniquely aligned with God's heart and uniquely great within God's kingdom according to Jesus. Okay, so Jesus told us what is not genuine generosity. Now what is genuine generosity? He says, says this in verse three. <clears throat> but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, all I wanna do is from those two verses, moms in particular, I wanna speak four truths from Jesus about the work that you do that reflects the unique significance of your work. And again, if you're not a mom, I don't want you to tune out here, but I want you to be doing the hard work of thinking right now, hey, who's somebody in my life that I today can reach out to and speak into and specifically name this gold that I see that God has cultivated in the call of mothering? Four truths. 
from what Jesus defines as true generosity. One, your children are needy. You probably don't need to be told that. But your children are the needy. Jesus talks about the needy, giving to the needy in verse 3. Jesus' heart was uniquely uh, affectionate towards, uniquely aligned with the vulnerable. And one of the uh, particular expressions and applications of Jesus' unique love for the vulnerable was Jesus' unique affection for children. We talked about this uh, back in the fall where Jesus had this very countercultural posture towards children where in first century Roman culture, a child was seen as a nuisance, an intrusion, a taker, something subhuman that could be killed, discarded of. And Jesus says, no, this is an image bearer. And just because they are in a phase of life where they take more than give and their output to society is not particularly strong does not mean they are something subhuman. They are valuable and they have dignity. And even though they are needy, they deserve to be treated really, really well. So when Jesus here is saying that true generosity is marked by a rhythm of life where you give to the needy, Please, hear this mom, please recognize that the children in your home fall into the category of the needy. That so much of your time and energy and money and effort is consumed by them. And that consumption is not for, on your behalf selfishness. And you don't need to immediately look beyond them to start and go doing legitimate kingdom work. They have been entrusted to you and they are the work of the kingdom within the four walls of your home. These children you care for are fundamentally weak and needy. They need you. They need you. And consequently, a heavy investment in them is not a distraction from real ministry. It is the ministry that Jesus has called you into that as you care for their most basic needs. So your children are the needy to your life is marked by giving. Jesus says, but when you give to the needy. A fundamental rhythm of your life is radical giving, radical generosity. It probably is so familiar and so instinctual and so natural, it, it doesn't seem that spectacular. It actually, probably what you feel at the end of <clears throat> most days is you haven't done much and you should do more. Do not let the normalcy of your radical generosity distract you from the greatness of what it is that you're doing. Think about this if I was describing this of somebody else. Think, for example, if I described you, I'm like, hey, I have this friend, and you're like, well, what does this friend do uh, with their time? Well, actually, uh, what she does is she is the primary caretaker and caregiver for a, a person or two. Uh, really, what does that entail? Uh, well, it entails a lot of things. There's cooking, there's cleaning, there's emotional support, there's counseling, there is mental, emotional, and spiritual development, there's teaching, there's conflict mediation, there's transportation. That's just like starting to scratch the surface of what this person does. Oh yeah, how much do they work during a day? About 14 hours a day. Um, what's the vacation policy? There is none. Oh, by the way, you know that whole 14 hours a day thing? That's only when the people underneath their care are sleeping through the night. Before that, it's sort of like a 24-hour shift. You would already at this point be like, what does this person get paid for this wide assortment of skills and time and outpouring? Surely they are paid better than anybody else. Is there any other job that's really like this? Actually, they get paid nothing. Actually, it's very expensive for them to do. By the time that person they're responsible for reaches the age of 18, just for one of them on average, they'll have spent somewhere around $233,610 for them to pour out their lives for. On top of 
the cost of crazy physical and emotional demands. You would describe my friend, if you heard that, as an absolute saint. You would be like, that is the most sacrificial, generous, loving person in the world. Like the only reason that person is doing what they're doing is because they feel a sense of calling, because they love the people they are caring for. Yeah, that's the work of a mom. That's your work. That's what it is that you're doing. And we honor you for that. We honor, do not let the normalcy of your radical generosity distract you from the greatness of what it is that you're doing. Third, your generosity is anonymous. Jesus says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So the essence of your role is not just radical generosity, but it's radically anonymous generosity. The reality of this incredibly demanding role that God has entrusted you with is that in many times it is not just anonymous, but it is painfully anonymous. Um, People who have not been through the grind struggle to empathize with the difficulty of what you do. Culture is increasingly trending to say that legitimate work is only accomplished outside of the home. And I think most difficult is the people that you're pouring your life out to um, either cannot or do not express the appropriate appreciation to match uh, the amount of sacrifice and service you are extending to them. I think one of the unique difficulties of parenting is that um, you know, the only feedback, especially when your kids are really, really little, the only feedback you get is either nothing or do it better. And even as they get better, you know, it might be 20 years when your kids have kids of their own that they start to recognize the magnitude of what it is that you have done for them. Which again, side note, we're not saying the, being anonymous is good in this. This is where if you feel called today, and you should, to really reach out and help a mom not feel anonymous in her generosity, you should really act on that hunch. You should really act on that instinct. But Jesus is saying that true generosity is often anonymous in nature, and the work of mothering is usually fundamentally anonymous generosity. But fourth, and this is the thing I'm just going gonna, gonna to close by praying this over you because I really want you to see this and to feel this. Fourth and finally, your father sees you and will reward you. Jesus says this, is that when you give your life to radically anonymous generosity to the needy, your father, take this as a promise, your father who sees in secret will reward you. And your father who, say this with me, say that next word, the father who sees in secret will reward you. The reality is, is there is in the development of people a pain in feeling invisible, a power in being seen. A pain in feeling invisible, a power of being seen. There is a pain when it feels like you are invisible in the midst of pouring out your life. That's why when people recognize us, just even the smallest of ways, it is like water for the thirsty soul. This is one of the things my mom, hey mom, she watches these services, Hey, mom. Um, this is one of the things I just, I was thinking back on my own mom. My mom was always so good, and she is still so good at doing. It's just finding the smallest but most meaningful ways to help um, people just feel seen and, and loved. I remember when I was like 14, 15 years old, um, for really no particular reason at all, she gave me a Johnny Cash album 
just to say, hey, like, I see that you're not getting in trouble and you work really hard at sports and you work somewhat hard at school. That's probably a generous interpretation. And um, so I just wanted to get this to you to, to celebrate you. I just want you to know that I, that I see you. And that uh, meant so much. I actually still have that album. It cultivated within me a, a love of Johnny Cash that continues in this day. There is a pain in invisibility. There's a power in being seen. And take this promise of God in your life that your work is not actually anonymous. You are actually seen by the one person in the universe. You are uniquely seen by the one person in this universe whose opinion actually matters. And Jesus says, great, will your reward be? You have a unique role of greatness in the kingdom. You have a unique intimacy with the Father. Isn't it interesting? The work of mothering gives you a unique intimacy with the heart of God the Father. The kingdom is yours. And so I get that in all of that, um, maybe that's not the way you feel right now. And that's where I want to ask that the Holy Spirit, who Paul tells us in Romans, pours into our hearts that we are seen and loved right now in this space would pour into your heart that that's the reality of the way your Heavenly Father sees you. That the way He sees you is that the work you do is uniquely great and uniquely significant. So I'm going to pray, and I would just encourage, even right now, um, for you to pray this for yourself, if you're a mom, if you're not a mom, to pray this for the moms in the life of our church. They might be built up and supported and encouraged and celebrated on this day. We love you and we're thankful for you. So God the Father, I pray that you pour into the hearts of the moms in the life of our church a unique sense of being seen, of being recognized, of being loved, of being supported. Father, I pray that you would... Um, uh, offer uh, love to the discouraged and guilt-driven uh, heart. I pray that um, for moms who feel like they're failing, they would actually see, just from the words of Jesus, that the anonymous giving of the rhythm of their lives uh, is, is, is a unique reflection of true kingdom greatness and true kingdom generosity. So I pray that... Um, that even the moms in the life of our church would not just feel like they have a day, but that this day would be a reflection of what their whole lives are for. And the people around them would rally around them and support them to that end and help them understand they are seen and they are loved and they are valuable. By the power of your spirit, do this in the lives of your beloved daughters. And we ask these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.